I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, 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 and welcome to House of Gossip, your weekly pop culture nourishment fix Brought to you by Clara Kavanagh and usually Sophie Lyons. But the poor little poppet is sick in bed. That Christmas, pre-Christmas flu caught me a while ago and it is a real doozy. I feel so different not having Sophie here with me. So we're going to do a somewhat different show today. But it's still going to be filled with lots of pop culture moments, TV bits and lots to keep you stacked for the Christmas period ahead. I suppose I'll kick myself off for Jadora Jatest. I must say, I'm Jadoring Coco Chanel. My mum came over to visit. We got tickets to the V&A exhibition of Gabrielle Chanel. And it was so incredible. What I loved most about it was, even just in and around like that Kensington area, like this show has been sold out four months. Like we, we went, I had to take a day off work. We went at like half 11 on a Monday. It was well worth it. But what I loved about it was the style and the ilk of wom- women that go to this show. Because I've been in the v before when it started and you just see all these women going around. And yes, there's a diva exhibition upstairs, but you just know that this elite bunch of 50 to 70 year old women with cool glasses, amazing footwear, you know, stripes, silk scarves, like an elevated puffer jacket. They're all going downstairs to the Coco Chanel exhibition. And look, I'm not the biggest fashionista in the world. And yes, the show, like on paper, is an exhibition of a bunch of mannequins that kind of goes on for about two hours. But to see all her collections together and how the style evolved, obviously my mom was in heaven. And the way they put it together, so creative. And it was just a lovely moment to share. So how could I not adore Chanel this week? And it's just so lovely to get loads of mom time. And especially when you live away, it's always so nice having visitors. And yeah, it was just an incredible experience. So very lucky to get tickets. I think there's still tickets for January if you fancy a little hop and a skip over to London, it's really something amazing. But also we did buy the exhibition book that kind of photographs everything and you can kind of read through the whole exhibition and her life. She was born an orphan, then took up clothes making, what have you, got into the right circles, bish bash bosh, becomes Coco Chanel. And even her, some of her stores didn't close during World War Two. And when, like, American soldiers came to France, they were queuing up at her Parisian store to buy stuff and take it back to America or Britain, wherever they came from. She was involved in espionage. She was she kind of befriended some German 
soldiers, what have you, and was really good friends with Winston Churchill. And they kind of used her German connections to try infiltrate the Germans. Like it is why this isn't a movie. I do not know. Yeah, she's what a life. And you know the way it's Chanel number five. You're like, why is it called Chanel number five? She was working with a perfumery man and he gave her loads of options, numbered one to ten. And she chose number five. And that's why it's called number five. The square-shaped bottle is based off the square that she used to live on. One of the Paris's many famous squares. And my last tidbit that I remember is she died in 1971, aged 87, in her apartment in the Ritz Hotel. What a way to go. She just seemed like the most charming and gorgeous woman ever. What a legacy. Uh, What a way to go. What an icon. All of the clothes are just still so stylish. Like she was designing stuff in like the 1920s, 30s, 40s that honestly could be worn today. It's just so timeless. And not just the Chanel suits that are iconic and her bag, but even like the dresses, the capes. She did these amazing things where she would take like, say you had a flowery dress, but then she'd have a matching coat and the lining of your coat would be the same floral print of your dress. Oh, what a thinker, what an innovator, what a mogul, what a genius. Viva Coco. <laughs> anyway, what I'm je testing or je dismaying this week is my beloved Sophie Lyons is not here with me. So because of this, I couldn't possibly do our usual format. So I have rejigged the show with a few TV and film recommendations because a few weeks ago I was complaining that there's nothing to watch and that was probably a bit melodramatic as ever. So I have been watching some new things. I've been growing, I've been changing and I've also been looking at new stuff that's coming out. So it's kind of a collab of I've seen this and it's great or this is coming and it looks pretty good, I hope. So... I was over and back to Ireland and I finally finished the Robbie Williams documentary, the four part doco he did on Netflix. We talked about it in one of our earlier episodes. Go back and listen if you didn't catch it, where we kind of talk more about like where have all the rock stars gone. He was last of his kind. That was before I watched it. But on the other end of watching it, now I will caveat, it's four parts where it could almost be done in like a movie. Uh, It does lack punch in parts, but I would say stick with it. I kind of think the middle section could be tightened. Yeah, I don't know if it really needs like four 45 minute episodes or four hour, like however long it was. But he honestly had cameras following him wherever he went. Like there's so much unseen footage. And I think he watched like 30,000 hours of footage or they they sifted through and then showed him the best. But he's constantly talking to a camera about how he's feeling and everything. And I think he struggles a lot with addiction. He struggles a lot with his mental health. And had he been speaking those words in today's climate, it would have been, say, like Lewis Capaldi is probably the closest thing that happened to Robbie. Now, he lists all his different addictions. He goes to rehab and you kind of go in that, that kind of journey with him. And it's so interesting because 20 years ago, we didn't have the narrative, the conversation around mental health that we do now. And he was under huge pressure from all the studios, 
all his managers, all the people he employs, everybody to perform. And as we talked about in the show and um, a few episodes previous, him, his charisma, his showmanship, his bravado, what we all loved and everybody was obsessed with him over. From his perspective, he was getting eaten alive by the media and he felt like a performing monkey that if he didn't hit his performance targets every night, he was under then all this huge, big pressure to, to live up to the the last performance. And dealing with that pressure, I don't know, I could never do that. Like, there's one, I don't want to give it much away, but there's one particular moment in the third episode where he does a concert in Leeds where not only is it like this massive outdoor concert to thousands and thousands and thousands of people, it's also being streamed into cinemas. So like on the first night, 42 million people, 42 million people are watching it. And to be able to cope with that amount of pressure of all those eyes on you and I need to perform, I need to be on point, I need to do everything, like to not get overwhelmed by 42 million people how many Ireland's are in that 42 million? Like, that's a whole huge country of every single eyeball in that country watching you. So I just, it's an incredible moment that happened in our culture. And I often feel like with the Harry Styles and the Ed Sheerans and the, the front men of, of our day, he, I feel like he's not back-referenced very often. It doesn't seem like he's very revered as an icon. Is it because the British press hated him? Maybe that's just my own interpretation you know, like when Harry Styles comes along, he's like, oh, Elton John, David Bowie. And I suppose it's like a, not a direct comparison and maybe because no one like Robbie Williams has come since. But I don't know. I just feel like he deserves a lot more credit than he's getting. And like there's parts where like he goes on holiday with Jerry Halliwell when they were going together. Remember that relationship was kind of hush hush. It shows like probably 15 minutes of their holiday in France. I'm like, I don't know if I needed to see every day of this holiday. But then it kind of leads you upright to the take that reunion and then kind of fast forward and we're 2022 at a concert. But I don't think it was Robbie's concert. So like, I guess that he hasn't done that much because you're just living in a bit of a shadow. Again, not trying to give too much away. Look, maybe this is obvious, but my theory or maybe takeaway or take home message from the Robbie documentary was it tracks his career pretty much till 2009. And in the early days, right after he first leaves, take that like 90s days. And he's like in a real bad way on loads of benders. And he kind of gets clean, gets himself sorted and meets this producer called Guy Chambers. And they go and write all his iconic songs, Angels, Millennium, Strong, She's the One, Rock DJ, Kids. And then through various reasons, their relationship disintegrates. After that, Robbie's on this kind of crusade to do things on his own and not rely on other people to write his music. He wants more ownership. The music he releases is trash. And the people then, you just notice or may, I don't know if it's a subtle thing from the director of the documentary but the people he surrounds himself are absolute yes men a few lads from Stoke-on-Trent where he's from the managers are all very like let him get away with everything they let him do what he wants they they're constantly like bigging up his ego bigging up his ego and when the songs don't perform well there's one particular song really bombs 
he was basing that all, all off his intuition. And because he was surrounded by all these yes men, it bigged him up his ego so much that he thought, you know, what I'm doing is great, blah, blah. But he had nobody checking himself, telling him no. Nobody being like the bad smell in the room. No, no voice of not even conflict or authority, but like nobody to kind of spar off to defend his music and the songs he was writing. And in losing that collaboration partner in Guy and Guy and him had that and what they had was so magical. I think that they've reconnected since, but like haven't done anything. They did his swing album, I think, which I low-key adore, you know, especially the song he did for Finding Nemo. But so he says like that his confidence, his intuition was rocked and you can still see how that's shaken. And it's like he was had a lighter lit or like a flame lit and it's blown out and he can't get the fire going again. And look, obviously he's like pushing 50 as well. Like we don't expect him to be the artist he once was. And I think when you when you're going through the trauma of like very poor mental health, the pressure of performing, having panic attacks on stage, and then the press hating you, you're going to be having like visceral and horrible reactions. You're channeling all this yes men energy into your music. You're trying to relight this fire and you just can't get it lit. And like his wife comes into it, they seem to have the, the most amazing relationship. So while I think documentaries always try to end on a bit of a happy note, you can still see a lot of the struggles or pain in his in his eyes so i think it's definitely if you are looking for something to watch over the festive period i do think it's a it's a good one to reignite some nostalgia but maybe a nice one to watch after one too many mince pies so you can kind of sleep through the, the draggy bits and wake up for the good bits One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So simple-wise, best believe I'll be going to the Beyonce film. And one thing I will say is obviously saw in Tottenham Court Road and with like Taylor Swift's concert films as well. I must say, I'm really looking forward to the cinematic experience because with these big stadium tours, yes, the artists can make like a million quid a night, but sometimes I just think they lose their atmosphere in such a bit like 70,000 odd stadium because I find I want to be standing, I want to be in the thick of it, I want to be dancing but you're kind of craning to see the stage or else you're watching it on the screens. And yes, it's an amazing, like, huge big party and like, she obviously puts on a great show. But like, if you're then if you're sitting or in anywhere at a level or at height, 
I feel like you're kind of watching from a helicopter or something. I miss the days of like going to see Beyonce in the three arena and like with what 10,000 other people. I think with a roof on top, it's um, it's it's more contained and more of like a buzz can start. Say like what the last gig I saw in the Crow Park even was either Beyonce or maybe you too when they did their Joshua Tree. Like, it's just so big, like, you know, ole ole's kind of get lost and that kind of thing. So I'm really looking forward to seeing the film because you see all the best angles. It's in the dark because summer gigs are not in the dark. They're bright. So you have that more of an atmosphere and oh, hopefully everyone will be singing along. You'll get all the best angles. You get some back insider info, backstage goss, Beyonce talking to camera. So I'm really looking forward to that. And... Saltburn, which we talked about a few weeks ago with Barry Keoghan, rating real good on Rotten Tomatoes, but you don't even need to go to the cinema. It's coming to Amazon Prime soon. And I didn't know there was a full frontal nudity scene. I won't say within whom, but it seems like it's a very saucy film. Is it echoing... What's that one with the peach? And Timothy Chalamet and the cannibal. Call me by your name. Are we getting those vibes? I didn't know, but I'm excited. Two gorgeous men. Sexual chemistry, unreal. Also, I'm so sick of superhero films. I know, obviously, millions and bajillions of people watch Marvel films, but I just can't take all the superhero action, drama, comedy, or the retelling of Spider-Man for the 15th time or, you know, or, just, or like Batman again and again and again. Like, why can't somebody come up with something new? So that's why when Ridley Scott's Napoleon was coming out, I was like, wow, original story, Ridley Scott. Are you giving us a superhero film without being a superhero film? Wow. But the reviews are saying that it is great action and acting, but it doesn't paint the full picture of Napoleon despite the two and a half hour running time. So I think that would be kind of another one to wait until it comes to a streamer. As you've eaten a bit too much, you could kind of like watch it with the family, fall asleep, wake up, fall asleep. One thing I am devouring at the moment is Squid Games, the challenge, the reality version of the Korean TV show. Can't say I've seen the original, but the reality show... Because I thought Traders was coming back. So I was all gearing up for that. And I was like, no, I'm not going to watch Squid Games. But Traders now isn't coming out till early 2024. Maybe in light of Squid Games. Like it's Netflix's the biggest show ever in recent years. And I must say it's great. It's primal. It's people acting out of desperation, out of hunger, out of survival. I'm sure you've watched it, but it is... I sat down to watch one episode and it was five episodes later, like in one evening, stayed up so late. So it's just a great bingeable piece of water cooler chats, great debates. You can't trust anyone. You don't know what people's their intentions are. Oh, it is exquisite, fabulous TV. Because I was like, I'm not going to be able to juggle Traders and Squid Game because they're both quite just ruthless shows by portrayal. But now I feel like I could emotionally recover from Squid Games, have my Christmas, and then be ready to rock for Traders Season 2. Apparently the Australian Traders is meant to be good, which I wouldn't mind giving a go, because, like, the Australian Married at First Sight is way better than the UK one, because I just feel like the Aussies are more, like, 
comfortable being on telly, not afraid to be really outrageous. Whereas I feel like British and Irish people are a bit more self-conscious. Might give that a go in the new year. Who knows? And now for three shows that I am definitely going to be watching over the festivities and the periods during hangovers and lazy days on the couch. Number one is the sleeper hit of the year that I've totally missed and it's Jury Duty. It's kind of like a fly on the wall camera documentary. Everybody in the jury is an actor except for this one guy and they kind of trick him into thinking he's he's at real jury duty. It's meant to be hilarious, wholesome, fun, exactly what we need. It might be a bit difficult to get. I think it's on Freeview, Freeview, or you can buy it on Apple. So I'm going to wangle my way into getting one of those accesses to one of those. There's a new comedy coming to Sky from the writers of Shits Creek and Working Moms, uh, an amazing writer called Monica Hesse. She's a friend of Dolly Alderton's. And it is meant to be a laugh out loud comedy for rom-com fans, which sounds like me, where a man and woman meet for three week, no frills, sex pact, and kind of everything that happens in between and after. The trailer looks fabulous. We'll link it in the show notes. And the supporting cast includes Miss Ashling B. I just think shows that have a good supporting cast do the best. Like Friends was like in the earlier episodes of Friends, there was loads of like external cast members and you might see one person, one character for an episode, they might have a recurring theme, but they're always so strong and they were kind of well-developed and well-thought out. And then I think as the show progressed, it got way more insular and way more about the the main characters, the six of them, and their politics and way less about anything else. And I think that's where shows fall into that trap I always find I don't like a show when it, it the net gets smaller and they only focus on the existing characters I think it's so much better when there's a wide cast so I was delighted to hear that this show smothered on Sky Comedy had a bit of this and who doesn't love Ashley B and another one also on Sky Comedy is coming out starring Kaylee Kuoko so fun to say from The Big Bang Theory and Danny from the Mindy Project, that's how I know him, Chris Mencina. They star in this new true crime romance comedy, a twisted story of a couple capitalising on society's obsession with true crime. So it's a bit like a romantic version of Only Murders in the Building. And it does look good. It looks pacey. It looks funny. Kaylee Cuoco has been in a few things I've seen recently. She's in Meet Cute with Pete Davidson, which is quite an unusual movie. I don't think I'd recommend it. It's really, really quite strange. But then she was also in The Flight Attendant. And I I don't know, is she a bit of a, like, a new Jennifer Aniston? Like, she's kind of in similar films, but played somebody slightly different from the last character. I don't know if I'm fully sold into this one, but I'll definitely be watching, like, a few episodes. I just kind of find she's always playing, like, a different version of the same thing, if that makes sense. Similar to what like what Jennifer Aniston did with like Along Came Polly and then all the, you know, in her latter stuff. I'm obviously not coming for like the breakup or any of her good ones. But yeah, I feel like if she was in Rachel in Huge Big Sitcom, Kaylee Cuoco in Big Bang Theory and obviously Eight Simple Rules, I find it hard to take her out of that mould or I just feel like it's very, she's always playing quite similar or doing like a, 
a drama comedy and there's a deadline or a but I'm definitely it's gotten quite good reviews from what I've seen so I'm excited and it's out this month okay that about wraps up solo mish miss you Soph's episode of house of gossip hope you enjoyed oh i hope you have your tv planner your tivo is melting with all the recos i'd love to know if you watch any of these please tell me your thoughts send me pics if you've seen the beyonce movie i would love to hear see and any other recommendations please tell me what do you think of squid games etc Please share them at Classy Cabana. Sophie is at Soph underscore Lions. You can send her all your well wishes there. And we'll be back next Tuesday. Hopefully healthy. Hopefully happy. Hopefully wholesome. Hope you have a great week. It is December, baby. And before I go, there is just one final recommendation. And it's my favorite, favorite, favorite Christmas film. I feel like nobody's seen it. Or maybe you saw it back in the day and you need a bit of reminding it's on Disney plus it's called the family stone I can't stress enough how much and how how amazing this film is there's a few plot holes we have to just skip over but it's Diane Keaton your man my best friend's wedding Rupert Muldooney is that his name Claire Danes Sarah Jessica Parker Luke Wilson all-star ensemble cast it is a lovely Christmas film. It's got packs a punch. Rachel McAdams, sorry, she's in it too. It's just, I love seeing loads of famous people all interact and act together in a big kind of problematic family all coming back for Christmas. It is a lovely, gorgeous watch and I just need more people to see it. So go enjoy. Okay, talk to you next week. ta Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.